Chapter 12 Killer Kane, Killer Kane. Had a kid who got no brain. I feel real bad for Freak, because he hates it when people try to rub his head for luck. But I don't say a word. I just run us home, thumping the short way back around the pond. And my big feet never even trip me up, because I'm on automatic. I'm this running machine. Whoa, Freak says, when we get to his house. Now that was an adventure, huh? An evil dude like Iggy Lee? We were lucky to get out of there alive. Freak goes, no way. That was all talk. Yeah, right. The real deal is that I was scared the whole time I was there, and so was Freak, even if he won't admit it now. The stuff about my father was true, Freak says, setting his fingernails and acting real cool again. The fair Gwen won't talk about it. All she says is, he made his decision, and I made mine. But I know he ran away because of me. And you know what? What? Good riddance to bad rubbish. For some reason, that really gets me laughing. Something about the way he says it. Or maybe it's all that nervous stuff left over from the New Testaments. Whatever, I'm rolling on the ground like a moron, and Freak is strutting around and saying stuff like, Loretta, my queen, wouldst thou accept my hand in marriage? And Sir Iggy, wouldst thou do us all a big favor and fall upon thy sword? And I'm laughing so hard I can hardly breathe. Everything is pretty much okay after that. One thing we don't do, though, we don't talk about my father. Good old Killer Kane, which is fine by me. School. For the last week or so, it's like getting jabbed with a little needle every time I hear that word. Grandma's trying to pretend how excited she is I'm finally in the eighth grade. Like this is a really big deal. Which is a joke, because the only reason I got passed from the seventh grade is because they figured this way, the big butthead can be, quote, someone else's problem. Thank God. We've had quite enough of Maxwell Kane. Unquote. Graham takes me out to the mall to get new clothes, which is about as much fun as going to the dentist, except maybe worse because at least at the dentist, you're mostly just in a chair with the door closed. We're at the mall with Graham. It's like, hello world, here I am, take a good look. This girl at the shoe store, she's got a little smirk and she goes, 13 triple E, do they make shoes that big? And Graham goes, I'm quite sure they do, dear. You go ask the manager. And then she looks at me and she goes, Maxwell, this is not major surgery, so will you please, as a special favor to me, wipe that wounded look off your face and try to be polite. Yeah, right. The manager, when he comes out with these Brand X running shoes, he wants to help me take off my old shoes, like he's pretty sure I can't do it by myself. But I give him this look, and he backs off and lets me do it myself. I wish you'd tie those laces, dear, Graham says, when I'm squishing around in the new shoes. That's the fashion, the manager says with this he <laughs> laugh. Actually, they're designed that way. You don't need to lace up. Just to prove what a jerk he is, I tie up the laces, and that makes Graham happy. Which is funny sometimes, how little it takes to make her happy. Except you can't really figure what until you've already done it. Does that make any sense? Finally, we escape from the mall, and I've got enough new clothes to last me, as Grim points out, a week or so. You could just keep letting down his cuffs, Grim says, except they don't have cuffs now. What am I thinking? I think he looks quite handsome, Graham says. Maxwell, please turn around and keep your shirt tail tucked in. Ah, leave him alone, Grim says. He's not a fashion model. I just can't get over it, Graham says. Our little Maxwell is growing up. Growing is right, Grim says. The boy is certainly growing. The deal is, Freak and I get to be in the same classes. He made the fair Gwen go in and see all these people at the school because I wasn't supposed to be in the smart classes. No way. 
And finally, they all agreed it would be good for Freak, having someone to help him get around. Gramax kind of worried about it, and she doesn't want to sign the papers, like she thinks the LD class has done me a lot of good or something. And being in the genius class is just going to make me slower and dumber than ever. But one night, I come up the cellar stairs, real quiet, and Grim is saying, Let's give it a try. Nothing else has worked. Maybe what he needs is a friend. That's the one thing he's never had with all those special teachers. And the next morning, she signs the papers. And when we get to school the first day, Freak helps me find my name on the list. And it's true. We're in all the same classes. At first, all the other kids are so into looking cool and acting cool and showing off their new outfits, they hardly notice us in the hall. Freak riding high on my shoulders, or the deal where his desk is always right next to mine. That wears off, though. And by the time we leave math, which is just passing out the textbooks and a bunch of numbers chalked on the blackboard, you can hear the whispers in the hall. Like, hey, who's the midget? And there goes Mad Max. And excuse me while I barf. And look what escaped from the freak show. And oh my God, that's disgusting. Maxwell Kane. This is from Miss Donnelly, the English teacher. She's new to the school. And when I nod and raise my pencil, she goes, Maxwell, will you please stand up and tell the class something about your summer? Which, if she wasn't new to the school, she'd know better, because getting up in the class and saying stuff is not something I do. Maxwell, she goes, is there a problem? By now there's a lot of noise, and kids are shouting stuff like, Forget it, Mrs. Donnelly. His brain is in his tail. Ask him to count. He can paw the ground. Maxipad, Maxipad, ask him quick about his dad. Killer Kane, Killer Kane, had a kid who got no brain. Mrs. Donnelly has this look like she stepped in something, and she can't get it off her shoe. The shouting and singing goes on and on, and pretty soon some of the kids are throwing stuff at us. Pencils and erasers and wadded up paper, and it's like, Mrs. Donnelly has no idea what to do about it. The room is out of control. Then Freak climbs up on his desk, which makes him about as big as a normal person standing up, and he starts shouting at the top of his lungs. Order, he shouts. Order in the court. Let justice be heard. For some reason, maybe because he looks so fierce with his jaw sticking out and his little fists all balled up and the way he's stamping his crooked little feet, everybody shuts up and there's this spooky silence. Finally, Mrs. Donnelly says, you must be Kevin, is that right? Freak has this look. He's still acting really fierce, and he goes, Sometimes I am. Sometimes? What does that mean? It means sometimes I'm more than Kevin. Oh, says Mrs. Donnelly, and you can tell she has no idea what he's talking about, but she thinks it's important to let him talk. So, Kevin, she says, can you give us all an example? Next thing I know, Freak has his hands on my head, and he's getting himself on my shoulders. And he's tugging at me in a way that I know means stand up. And so I do it. I stand right up in class and I can see Mrs. Donnelly's eyes getting bigger and bigger. I'm standing there with Freak high above me and it feels right. It makes me feel strong and smart. How's this for an example? Freak is saying. Sometimes we're nine feet tall and strong enough to walk through walls. Sometimes we fight gangs. Sometimes we find treasure. Sometimes we slay dragons and drink from the Holy Grail. Mrs. Donnelly is backing up to her desk, and she says, Oh my, that's very interesting, I'm sure, but could you both just sit down? But Freak is riding me like he's a jockey, and I'm the horse. He's steering me around the classroom, showing off. He's raising his fists and punching in the air and going, Freak the mighty, freak the mighty, and pretty soon he's got all the other kids chanting, Freak the mighty, freak the mighty, freak the mighty, even though they don't know what he's talking about or what it means.
I'm standing up straight, as tall as I can, and I'm marching exactly like he wants me to, right and left, backwards and forwards, and it's like music or something. Like I don't even have to think about it. I just do it. And all those kids chanting our name, and Miss Donnelly has no idea what's going on. She's definitely flipped out and more or less hiding behind her desk. The whole class is raising their fists in the air and chanting, freak the mighty, freak the mighty, freak the mighty. I can't explain why, but it was really pretty cool. Anyhow, that's how Freak and I get sent to the principal's office the first time together. Mrs. Addison, she's the principal. She takes one look at us waiting outside her office and she goes, what have we here? I'm afraid there has been a slight misunderstanding, Freak says. If you'd be so good as to allow me to explain. Mrs. Addison is this really serious acting black woman with tight gray hair and a bun and these suits that make her look like she works in a bank or something. She has this funny little smile like she's sucking on a lemon and it quick turns sweet and then she goes, by all means, let's hear what you have to say. Convince me. I can't really remember what Freak said except that he used so many big words she had to keep looking stuff up in his dictionary which she seemed to get a real kick out of. But the important thing is Whatever Freak told her, she fell for it. Chapter 13, American Chop Suey. I used to think all that spooky stuff about Friday the 13th was just a pile of baloney, but now I'm getting my own personal introduction to what can happen. It's October, and so far, things have been going pretty good, better than I ever expected. Me and Freak are like this unit, and even Mrs. Donnelly says she's starting to get used to us which is her way of admitting that Freak is about twice as smart as she is, and for sure he's read more books. She keeps saying stuff like, Kevin, we know you know the answer, because you always know the answer. So wouldn't it be nice if someone else got a chance? For instance, your friend Maxwell. Freak goes, he knows the answer, Mrs. Donnelly. Yes, Kevin, I'm sure you're correct because you're always correct, but for a change, I'd really like to hear Maxwell speak for himself. Maxwell? Maxwell Kane, this is dumb, because what does it matter if I know the answer? If I don't know, then Freak will tell me, and he'll say it in a way I can understand, which is a lot better than Mrs. Donnelly can do. So what I do? I just shrug and smile and wait, because I know she'll get tired of asking and move on to the next. As a matter of fact, I do know the answer. The reason Johnny Tremaine got mad and hateful is because he burned his hand in a stupid accident. And I know about that because Freak has been showing me how to read a whole book, and for some reason, it all makes sense, where before, it was just a bunch of words I didn't care about. My reading skills tutor, Mr. Meehan, he says stuff like, Max, the tests have always shown that you're not dyslexic or disabled, and this proves it. As you know, <laughs> my personal opinion has always been that you're lazy and stubborn, and you didn't want to learn. So if hanging out with Kevin somehow improves your attitude and your skills, that's great. Keep up the good work. It was Mr. Meehan who had a word with Mrs. Donnelly, and that's why she finally gave up on trying to make me talk in class. And instead, she waits until study hall, where she asks me the same questions alone, and I tell her the answers. She still doesn't get it, though, because she always goes, but Maxwell, if you can speak to me, then you can speak to your classmates, right? Wrong. Big difference. I can't explain what it is, except that my mouth shuts up, when there's more than one or two people, and a whole classroom full, forget it. Okay, you're shy about public speaking, but how does that apply to writing down the answers? If you can read, then you can write, right? Wrong again. 
The reading stuff Freak helped me figure out by showing how words are just voices on paper. Writing down the words is a whole different story. No matter what Freak says, writing the stuff down is not like talking. And my hand feels so huge and clumsy. It's like the pencil is a piece of spaghetti or something, and it keeps slipping away. Mrs. Dinelli says, okay, for now. She's satisfied I can read. But we'll really have to work on this writing thing, won't we, Maxwell? And when she says that, I just nod and look away. Because inside, I'm thinking, forget it, no way. Like Freak says, reading is just a way of listening. And I could always listen. But writing is like talking. And that's a whole other ballgame. Anyhow, what happens first on Friday the 13th, we're in homeroom, when this note comes from the principal's office. Maxwell Kane, your presence is requested. Gulp. So Freak and I get up to go, and the teacher says, No, Kevin, you stay here. Mrs. Addison was very specific. Maxwell's to go alone. Freak starts to smart mouth her. Then he changes his mind, and he nudges me and whispers, Just give him name, rank, and serial number. Deny everything. You aren't back by 10 hundred hours, we'll organize the search and rescue mission. He offers to lend me his dictionary, in case I want to try out any big words on Mrs. Addison. But I'm already so worried about being called in alone. All I can think is they're going to put me back in the learning disabled class. I've already decided I'll run away if they do that. I'll go live in the woods somewhere and jump out and scare people. Anyhow, I don't take Freak's dictionary long because my hands are trembly and I might drop it. Or Mrs. Addison might ask me a word and I'll forget how to look it up and prove I'm still a butthead goon. Mrs. Addison is waiting outside her office, like she does, and she's trying to smile. But she's not really a smiling kind of person, and I can tell this is serious, whatever it is. Like maybe somebody died. I go, Graham? Is Graham okay? Yes, yes, everybody is fine. Come in and sit down, Maxwell. And please try to relax. Yeah, right. Mrs. Addison is sitting there in her big chair and she's looking up at the ceiling and then she's looking at the floor and at her hands and finally she gets around to looking at me. This is rather difficult, Maxwell. I don't know where to begin. First, let me say we're all very pleased with your progress. It's nothing short of miraculous and it almost convinces me you knew how to read at your level all along and were for some reason keeping it a secret. I'm not really hearing what she's saying because there's like this little bird fluttering around inside my chest and it makes me blurt out. You're putting me back in LD, right? Mrs. Addison comes over and pats me on the shoulder. I can tell it makes her nervous touching me, but she does it anyway. And she goes, no, no, nothing like that. This has nothing to do with school, Maxwell. This is a personal situation. Because if I have to go back in the LD class, I won't. I just won't. I'll run away. I will. I will. Maxwell, this is not about your classwork or even about school. This is about your, um, father. My, um, father? Which makes me wish all of a sudden I had done something wrong and Mrs. Addison was just giving me detention. She takes a deep breath and folds her hands together like she's praying and she says, A request has been forwarded to me from the parole board. A request from your father, Maxwell. Your father wants to know if I don't want to hear it. I jump up and cover my ears, holding my hands real tight. Don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't, don't. What happens when you go nuts in the principal's office? She calls in the school nurse, and the two of them are trying to hug me and calm me down. And it's like I'm back in daycare or something. Maxwell, Mrs. Addison is saying. She's trying to pry my hands away from my ears. 
Maxwell, please forget about it, okay? Forget I said it. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do, okay? And I'll make sure of that. I promise. I swear my honor. He can't make you do anything you don't want to do. I'm going to make that very clear to the parole board and to his lawyer. Very clear indeed. Finally, I take my hands off my ears, which wasn't really working because I could still hear everything they said. And big surprise, I'm sitting in the corner of the room, down the floor, with my knees all hunched up. And I don't even remember how I got here. It's like I blanked out or something. And the nurse is giving me this cup of water. And the weird thing is, she's crying. I'm sorry, I say. I didn't mean to hurt you. You didn't, she says. I cry easy. Don't you worry about it. I do worry about it, though. Because if she's crying, I must have hit her. And I don't remember it. Which, if you think about it, is really scary. Who knows what I might do and then not remember it. The worst thing happens later in the cafeteria. Freak has this thing about American chop suey. He loves the stuff. The gooier, the better. You never believe a person so small could eat so much. And when he holds up his plate, he always says, please, sir, more gruel. And I always say, it's American chop suey, not gruel. I looked up gruel, remember? And he always goes, I beg of you, sir, more gruel. And so finally, I go up to get him another helping. When I come back, something is wrong. Freak's face is all red and swollen up, and he's making this huck, huck, huck noise. He can't talk. All he can do is look at me and try to say something with his eyes, and then I'm running to get the nurse. Quick, he can't breathe. He can't breathe. Then she's running as fast as me, and she's yelling for someone to call an ambulance. Back in the cafeteria, Freak is turning purple. The nurse grabs him, and she's got this plastic thing she shoves into his mouth, and his eyes are closed up tight and one of his legs is kicking. I don't know what to do, so I start hopping up and down in one place. And when the kids keep crowding around, I push them back, and the next thing, Freak's face is starting to look pink instead of purple, and he's breathing okay. Right about then, the ambulance comes. I never even heard the siren, and Freak is trying to talk in this croaky voice as they put him on the stretcher. I'm okay, he keeps saying. Really, I'm okay. I just want to go home. The deal is, once they call the ambulance, you have to go to the hospital and get checked out. That's a rule. I keep trying to get into the back of the ambulance with him, but they won't let me. Finally, Mrs. Addison has to come out and pull me away until the ambulance leaves with just the light going and not the siren. You've had quite a day, haven't you? She says, walking me back into the school. It's not me who had quite a day, I say. Kevin is the one. All he did was try and eat his lunch. Mrs. Addison gives me this look, and then she goes, You're going to be okay, Maxwell Kane. I'm sure of it now. She's okay for a principal, but for some reason, I still can't make her understand that it's not me who had a really bad Friday the 13th. And I swear on the dictionary, if Reek ever tries to eat American chop suey again, I'll dump it on his head or something. Chapter 14. Cross my heart and hope to die. Graham lets me stay home the next day because Freak is getting out of the hospital. And I'm right on the front step when the fair Gwen pulls up in her car. Freak is riding in the back. You can barely see him in the window, and he's got this big grin that makes me feel like everything is going to be okay, the way everybody keeps saying. I go, is it okay if I carry him inside? And the fair Gwen says, of course. He has to rest, 
she says. He stays in the house until I say different. Is that understood? In his room, Freak is right away ordering me around. Bring me this and go do that. And you'd never guess he's been sick. A minor incident, he says, easily corrected by biogenic intervention. You mean that robot stuff? Freak goes, shh. The fair Gwen must not know of the plan. The very idea strikes fear into her heart. Well, it is pretty scary, I say, getting an operation to give you a whole new body. I'm not scared, Freak says. I'm looking forward to it. So when does it happen? Freak gets this faraway look and he says, I'm not sure. Dr. Spivak, she's my doctor. She says, maybe a year or two. But how come you need a new body? I ask. How come you can't just stay like you are? Freak shakes his head, like he knows I'm not smart enough to understand. No one stays like they are, he says. Everybody is always changing. My problem is, I'm growing on the inside, but not the outside. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore, which is fine with me. And in another couple of days, everything is back to normal, and we're going to school like always. And everything is real good until Christmas vacation. When, if you'll excuse the expression, all hell breaks loose. I'm in the down under trying to get the stupid wrapping paper to cover the stupid presents I got for Graham and Grimm when the shouting starts upstairs. Understand, Grimm never yells at Graham. Not that I can ever remember. And Graham, well, the worst thing she ever does is cry when she's mad. But somebody sure is yelling up there. And so I sneak up the stairs, and I don't even have to put my ear to the door. That's how loud it is. Over my dead body, you will. That's Graham yelling. And her voice is big and full of tears. Grimm's voice isn't nearly as loud, and I open the door a crack to hear whatever it is that made Graham so mad at him. I have an obligation, he's saying. A man has to protect his family. Not with a gun, Graham yells. Not in this house. I won't have it. Oh, I can't stand it. How could they do this to us? How could they? He fooled him, Grimm is saying. Just like he fooled Annie. Just like he fooled us once upon a time. Never again, though. That man tries to set foot in this house. I aim to shoot him. No guns, Graham says. You don't know about guns. Of course I do. I was in the army, wasn't I? That was 30 years ago. I know what will happen. Don't you think I've dreamt about it for the last eight years? He'll come in here, and he'll take that gun away from you, and then he'll do the shooting. By now I've figured out who they're talking about, and I guess you have too. None other than him, Killer Kane, my father. Maybe they won't let him out, Grandma's saying. If they do, they'll give us protection. Sure they will, Grimm says, just like they protected our Annie. Next thing, Grimm is crying, and you can tell Grimm is trying to make her feel better. Going, there, there, my dear, I know, I know, there, there. A while later, I hear the cellar stairs creaking. It's Grimm, and he knocks on my door. Come on in. Grimm comes inside, and for once he doesn't tell me what a rat hole I'm living in, or how it smells like a locker room because I forgot to put my socks in the hamper. He sits on the edge of the bed and folds his hands together. I never think about how old he is because he never acts old. But tonight, he's all white and bent and his skin is saggy. He's about a thousand years old. And he says, I guess you heard the ruckus. Your grandma gets so upset, bless her heart. Can't abide the idea of violence. Can't say I blame her. Did he escape, I ask? Is that what happened? Grim shakes his head. He's up for parole. That's dumb. That's so dumb. Grim goes, you hit the nail on the head, son. What I did do, just so you know, 
I went into court and made it so he won't be allowed within a mile of this house. If he does try to come here, they'll send him back to prison. The judge promised me that much. I say, maybe you should get a gun. Grim doesn't say anything for quite a while. And then he goes, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I can't tell your grandma about it, though. And it breaks my heart to lie to her. That's one thing we've never done. I won't tell. Grim is quiet again. And then he stands up from my bed. And in his real old, tired voice, he says, Everything is going to be okay, Max. I'll make sure of it. But for the next few days, I want you to stay in the house. Promise me you'll do that. Cross my heart, I say. Cross my heart and hope to die.